So today we're going to um, come out of uh, Romans 8 a little bit. And uh, we're going to continue the, uh, the sermon series of Holy Principles, Holy Land. Which, maybe this week is a little bit of a stretch because this isn't necessarily something that I took out of uh, being in Israel for that week. But it, it's, a, it's a principle. And what we've been talking about is that there are some foundational principles uh, that maybe you were never taught or you simply forgot over time. Uh, and Josh and I really wanted to reiterate some of those. Does anyone remember any of them? A little quiz. Got to start getting back into teacher gears. Te- school's coming up soon. What you see is not more real than what is true. Oh, right. That's good. Does anyone know uh, last week's? You don't have to, like, call it what it was. You can just... It's all about identity, right? Your identity is not what you are, but who you are, right? So those are, those are um, I think those are the two, right? So this is the third one, <clears throat> and we'll get into what it is in a moment. It'll be a little bit of a punchline if you haven't read your bulletin. So Romans chapter 8, here we go. Great, 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 great section. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Messiah Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteousness requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the, on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Messiah, he is not his. And if Messiah is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Messiah from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Amen? Such a good good section of scripture. All right, so we're going to be uh, preaching out of the themes out of So what are some of the, the highlighted themes out of that 14 verses? All right, begin... What's that? No condemnation. no condemnation. So it begins with a beautiful thing. There is no condemnation for those who are walking according to the Spirit. Okay? So if you're walking in the Spirit of God and according to the Spirit of God, and if there's a, a conviction opposed to condemnation, it's a very clear distance or difference. Second thing, theme. You are free from the law of sin and death. Okay? Now, it's a, in most translations, it's a lowercase l. Um, some people think when the reference there to the law of sin and death, like some people think it's the law of the Old Testament. That's, that's not what Paul is talking about. It's a lowercase l. He's talking about the law that governs humanity because of their sin. A lot of people are like, oh, the law of sin and death is the Old Testament law. That, that can't be because David says it's a light unto my feet. So how can it be a light unto David's feet, but yet also a curse? Okay? So you've got you to clarify. The law of sin and death is a governing law, a spiritual law that has governed the universe since Adam and Eve have eaten of the apple. Because they have eaten, there's now a new law. If you continue to sin or mankind will be governed by sin and sin produces death, Unless, of course, there's repentance by someone who's walking according to the Spirit of God. That's really what's going on there contextually. That's a whole other rabbit trail, but if, just bear with me with that. It's part of what's going on here. It goes on to say that if you're carnal, if you're carnal-minded, it's going to produce death. If you're spiritually minded, it's going to produce life and peace. Okay? So those are some of the big things. And what I wanted to emphasize today is this. 
this is probably the phrase that is mentioned the most in all this, is that you are to walk according to the Spirit. Walking according to the Spirit. Walking according to the Spirit. In fact, if you walk according to the Spirit or are led by the Spirit of God, you are now the sons and daughters of God. It's very interesting. In order to really qualify yourself as a son and daughter of God, at least this scripture verse here is saying you need to walk according to the Spirit. Now, some translations say walk after the Spirit. And I want you to remember that. Either walk according to the Spirit or walk after the Spirit of God. So, what is uh, today all about? It's about how do we walk, essentially, according to the Spirit of God? And which things do we do that keep us from walking after or according to or in the Spirit of God? What are they, right? And essentially, it's this. Control. Control extinguishes the Spirit's work in your life. Anyone ever have experience with that? There is nothing that will stop the Holy Spirit from walking, leading, and even being, doing things even in a corporate setting than the notion of control. See, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, it's, it's been said. If we try to control situations, he's like, okay, I guess you don't need me. Peace out. I've experienced it in, in all different ways in, in life. So control extinguishes the spirit. Well, what is control? Control is this. This is like a, an absolute, a definition from Merriam-Webster. Control is the power to influence or direct people's behavior or a course of events. So in short, who has control of your life? Holy Spirit, who is influencing you, directing your behavior, and directing the course of events of your life? Or you that are controlling your behavior, controlling your actions, or the one that I love, because it was done to me a lot, trying to control other people's actions. Right? And you got to be careful. You know, some people, there's two things that happen. If you, are, if you are someone who's been controlled in your life, two things tend to happen. One thing is like, You've been controlled so much in your life that when it's time to like break free, like you're 18 or whatever, you just go wild and go crazy. Some people do that. The other uh, type of person is that when, when you've been controlled so much in your life, um, you like swear I'm never going to be a controlling person. And then since you're so afraid of people controlling you, you end up controlling everything around you to make sure that you are not being controlled. Anyone like one of those two, right? It happens. It's, it's, it's a natural byproduct, okay? Now, what's interesting here is the New Testament actually ushers and gives three warnings about how we are to interact with the Holy Spirit and three warnings on be careful of what you do in relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I think that the three warnings are largely dealing with the issues of control. We'll let Alan take a picture and then I'll go to the next slide. Not that I'm controlling you, brother. I'm, like, I'm, he, oh, he controlled me yesterday at jiu-jitsu. He did me a baseball back choke. Very pertinent for today. I'm like, oh, had to tap out right away. It was good. It was a good move, man. Even Steve was like, oh, baseball back choke. That was good. No, that's right. You can tell them later. All right, three warnings. Let's get back to the spirit here. Three warnings that are in the uh, New Testament. So, um, do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Those are those are three. Three real warnings. Has anyone ever heard like a message on any one of these three? A couple. Cool. Do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Matthew twelve thirty one thirty two. This is this. I remember when I was a kid, which I, when I didn't understand it, I'm like. Oh no, what is this? Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoa. Every sin is forgiven except for when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit. It's like, holy cow. So there's one sin that can't be forgiven. I remember when I was a kid, I'm like, oh, I can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit like what I'm doing. Like, so... The way that it was like really just related to me is like if you are concerned about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, it means there's no way in heck that you're going to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. 
The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is essentially rejecting the spirit and the message of Jesus. And it's not like you go to an atheist and like, I don't believe. I really believe really what's going on here is like, if you come face-to-face spiritually with Jesus, and you know, because he's knocking on your heart, and you're like, I know, and I know he's the way, the truth, and the life, but nah. That's, I mean, that's Satan, right? It's the demons. They know who he is, but they reject the spirit of witness and say, no. I know it to be true, but I don't care. I believe that's really more on the level of the level of blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And so if you're concerned about blaspheming the Holy Spirit, great place to be, you're not going to be blaspheming him, right? Because you're saved, you're in it. At least that's the teaching that I believe. Um, but look, blaspheming the Holy Spirit of, of rejecting the message of Jesus when he comes to you, why on earth would anyone want to do that? There's very few people, but I know I've heard of people that are like into witchcraft and all this kind of stuff. They know who Jesus is, and they're like, no. Um, I think you just take a look at the, uh, the issue of Satan. It's, it's a matter of control, right? I want what I want. You're not going to control me and it. Like, it's about control, even that. But I don't really want to talk about that because it's, it's not really a concern for those that love the Lord and are, are thinking about him. The next one, do not quench the Holy Spirit. This is a popular one. I know I've talked about it before. When you read 1 Thessalonians, it seems to be that the context of this really appears to be in reference to some semblance of a corporate setting. Because it goes on to talk about other things not to quench, like don't quench prophecy, don't quench the speaking in tongues, all this kind of stuff, the gifts of the Spirit. So it, it seems to be really more of a reference for corporate setting. I think we could probably make an argument that it's also for maybe us, like there are times when you, the Holy Spirit is doing something in your life and you're like, no. But like I said, the context appears to be a little bit more of a corporate setting. And so what is this? This is, you're in a, in a meeting, you're with a group of believers, you're praying, you're doing whatever, and uh, the Holy Spirit is clearly doing something. He's clearly doing something. And you're like, not a part of my agenda. Like, but we got another service coming in, right? I mean, our service is a one hour, 10 minutes. And we have like the 11 o'clock service that's coming in at, 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 like, at that time. And the Holy Spirit is coming and he's moving, he's doing stuff. But like, we, we need to have that other time. So no. That's quenching the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit comes in with agenda and you're unwilling to change your agenda. Now, I'm not knocking churches that have multiple services. That's awesome. Maybe one day we'll get there. But maybe we need to, like, say, hey, guys, you know, Facebook message, Holy Spirit's rolling. Just come on in and, like, get shocked by the power of the ghost, you know, okay. do that. But that's hard to do, man. That's hard to do because, look, I, I mean, I've even wrestled with it a little bit. Like, there is, like, glory clown, nuclear, Holy Spirit explosion church. Then it's like, well, if someone is lost and saved and you invite your neighbor, is this going to be really strange to them? And it's just going to push them away. It's, 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 it's actually can be kind of a challenge. But don't, I, don't even know, I don't even know if you have to really worry about that because quenching the Holy Spirit, I think, largely falls upon leadership. Right? The leadership of the church are the ones who are going to say, hey, you know, we're going to do this or not do this and things like that. So I don't know if you have to necessarily worry too much, but once again, it's control. It's man's control. It says, this is what church looks like. This is what we're going to do. This is the business plan. This is the model. This is how we're going to get things done because this is the way it's worked for the last 80 years and that's just what we're going to do. That's fine. Until the Holy Spirit is, yo, we're changing it up. And you're like, no. Okay? So this leads us to the third one, which I'm really going to spend most of my time on, is this. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4.30. So, grieving the Holy Spirit, we're going to get into here. And so, grieving the Holy Spirit is an issue of control once again, but it is done in a more subtle manner. To grieve. All right, so, first thing we need to understand is 1 Corinthians 13, 16. It says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, let's talk about grieving a little bit. I think grieving for personal things with the Holy Spirit is this. You, 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 you have a conviction inside of yourself. It's like that still small voice that's telling you the difference between right and wrong and what you should do and what you should not do. Like your spirit man is like, I'm just, I should not be doing this anymore. I should not be doing this sin anymore. Or I should be doing this. And you're like, 
no, I, I, I'm not going to do that. Um, you, you disobey what the Holy Spirit is convicting you because you want control. My body is my temple or the body is the Holy Spirit's temple? If, your bo- if the body is your temple, you want to control your temple. The Holy Spirit is dwelling in the temple the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, you're going to relinquish that control. So grieving him is he wants control over your life and over your body, and you're like, no. And so what happens with this is the Holy Spirit, if you are refusing him, he's going to withdraw from you. Now look, it's, it's not like you're saved by grace you get the Holy Spirit inside of you when you accept the Lord. It's not like he leaves you. But if we repetitively choose sin and choose to go against what the Holy Spirit is telling us to do in our lives, he's a gentleman. He's not going to leave you or forsake you, but he is going to be quieted within you. Does that make sense? Like, as you begin to lean on the lusts of the flesh... And that's not necessarily like alcohol and drinking and sex. We're talking about the whole lust of the flesh, like ego, pride, gossip, bitterness, all of that as well. When you start to walk in that, that spirit gets bigger in a way. So the Holy Spirit can become disquieted within you. He's not going to leave you. And I believe that's why there are people in the church who do not see and do not feel and do not experience the fruit of the Spirit in their life. So if the fruit of the Spirit is like long-suffering and joy and peace and all that wonderful stuff, and you're not feeling that, it's like either God's a liar or something's wrong between the continuum between me and Holy Spirit. If you're right with the Holy Spirit and He's dwelling inside of you, He must manifest fruit of the Spirit. You get what I'm saying? So either God's a liar and his word's a liar or something's not right with my relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now I've taught on this in the, in the past. One of the key things that help you out here is, is we, we, we probably should stop referring to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit. And we really probably should refer to him as Holy Spirit. For example, I am not the Dave. Right? The dad. Once you put an article in front of something, it becomes an object. He's a being. Part of the Godhead. The spirit and witness of Jesus. Like, Father, Abba, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. So, I think a lot of times in, in church world, we view the Holy Spirit as like an electric force. Like, like the force of Star Wars. If I just plug into it, I'll be able to get something. He is a part of a Godhead to be revered and honored and worshipped. So, a lot of times, some of us in here will, will, will say Holy Spirit instead of the Holy Spirit. Don't freak out about it. It's not a legalistic thing, but it's a perspective thing. Yeah. Yeah, he's a being, right? We, we refer to him as a he in the scriptures. He's a being or a person. He's a part of the Godhead, absolutely. But a lot of times, people just view him as like, he's like the, you know, he's on the, he's on the back burner, you know? Yo, Holy Spirit, it's not spirits, right? It's singular. Mine. Right. Meaning um, the Lord's. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Correct. Personal. Amen. But you get what I'm saying? Like a lot of times in the church, we kind of view him as like this, he's the agent that I need to get to get something done. It's like, yeah, he does do that. But he's part of like the holiness of God, right? So, where are we? The, what happens here is he, he can withdraw from you. Like, he, there's a disquietness that, that happens. And uh, this, this, there's proof text for this in Scripture. Um, if you take a look at 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 28, for those of you that are, want to get into this stuff, this is a really weird and fascinating story. 1 Samuel, chapter 28. Uh, this is verse 5. When, when Saul... Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired it, and when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. Urim was one of the prophets. 
Then Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium, a witch, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, in fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Ain Dor. All right, this is a really bizarre story. This is King Saul who's been anointed the first king of Israel, right? Because God wanted him to be king. And what has happened now is he, he has no longer heard from the Lord. He no longer has dreams. He no longer has a relationship, it seems to be, with the Spirit of God. Like, he's like, God, where are you? I'm not listening. Like, why are we not talking? And it really is because prior to this story, um, he, he, Saul has been living essentially a life of perpetual sin. He keeps sinning, keeps sinning, keeps sinning. Uh, and the, the Holy Spirit's just been withdrawing. Like, all right, man, if you're not seeking me. Now, look what happens. Because he does not get an answer from the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit has been disquieted inside of Saul, what does Saul do? He decides to seek the counsel of a witch. Witchcraft. Like, I'm not getting an answer from the Lord, so let me get an answer from another source. And so I was like, Lord, how do we relate this to us? It's this. Who do you and what do you go to to receive the, what the Spirit gives? Guidance? Counsel? Peace? Love? Joy? Patience? What thing in your life do you go to to get that peace? Do you go to the beer? Do you go to the nicotine? Do you go to the cookie? Do you go to the TV? What do you go to to get that? You're like, how could King Saul do this? Are you kidding me? We do this all the time. I need peace in my life. Let me put on the TV. I need peace in my life. Let me go to the Father. Let me go to the Holy Spirit. Let me go to Jesus. Where is the source that you're getting the comfort and the peace and all this from? We could actually be doing the same thing as King Saul does. Now, what's really crazy here is now the witch is like, okay, your God is not talking to you. He says, get someone who can give me advice. And the witch summons, summons, this is the weirdest story in the Bible, I think, summons the spirit of Samuel, who's in heaven or in Abraham's bosom or whatever. And the spirit of Samuel, the prophet who's dead, comes to Saul. And he says to Saul, why are you waking me? And Saul is like, I need counsel. And Samuel's like, how dare you seek a witch and call forth the dead to give you counsel? And he's mad at him. And so what is that with us? Like, well, I don't seek like, you know, you know, like Catholics will pray to saints. and things. We don't do that. But do, do you seek another person's anointing to give you right standing with God? That's what, Paul was, uh, that's what Saul was doing. He was going to Samuel, like the guy. To get counsel and his anointing. How many of us go to a pastor or a person or a YouTube channel of worship in order to feel the anointing? Calling down someone else's presence, calling down someone else's anointing. I think there's a similarity there. It's not exactly the same, but there's a similarity here. But the point of the matter is this. Saul continues to, dis to, to distance himself from the from Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit says, fine, I'm going to withdraw from you, and now Saul is seeking the spirit of the age, because he needs to seek something for guidance and counsel. And I think we do that often, unfortunately. And now what's crazy is this. Saul, he has no repentance. He never, he never turns to the Lord. And so now the Holy Spirit withdraws even more. And what's crazy here, if you've read the story, Saul, he goes crazy. He is tormented. He goes insane and finally dies by his own sword, right? Yeah. And when he's insane and when he's tormented, what does he have to do? He has to bring me forth to the shepherd boy, David. Let him play the harp for me. It's the only thing that gets these spirits out of me. I mean, the guy goes insane. Why? He was anointed of God, a king of Israel. Killing thousands, right? It's because he did not deal with his sin. He kept pushing the conviction of the Holy Ghost away from him, away from him, away from him. Finally, the Holy Spirit leaves. Now, this is like completely different than King David. So we can like a little breather here, right? Saul sins and just keeps pushing the Holy Spirit away. King David sins big time, big time. Adultery, murder. And he's faced with the same thing that Saul is faced, faced with. But what does David say? Oh, Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Create me a clean heart, O God. Like there's a different perspective. It's, okay, Holy Spirit, you're convicting me of something. I haven't been doing the right thing. 
please just don't leave me. There's a drawing to, opposed to a fleeing from. Amen? And it's an element of control. What did Saul want? He wanted control over himself. He wanted control over his actions. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. Where David is busted, as busted as can be. And he's like, I'm a broken man before you. Just, you can do whatever you want to me, but whatever you do, please don't take Holy Spirit from me because it is the source of life. Guys into this? Or? Yeah. I had to do a lot of, a lot of studying on this one because it, it, gets, it gets pretty tangled up in the weeds. Grieving the Holy Spirit. So what is grieving? To grieve is to cause pain. You can't, to an electrical force, you can't give pain. But to a being, you can give pain to. There's a warning by Paul. Can you believe it? That the Holy Spirit, the holiness of God, the spirit of the everlasting God, that you can actually cause him pain. Which means he has emotions. So he's got to be a being. We can actually give pain and hurt the emotions of Holy Spirit. Do not grieve. Grieve is to give pain. The Holy Spirit. So here's the thing. This, this, let me explain this. I, I, this is like a revelation I was getting here. And it actually came from uh, David Wilkerson. He says this. By, I mean, I paraphrase it. Grieving the Holy Spirit is not entirely from your act of sin. The grief, the pain is you fleeing him when he's there ready to pour out love, guidance, and relationship. Like, this, this, is, this is like an absolute must you need to register in your mind. You sinning, okay, it's gonna, it's gonna, he's going to be upset. But what really grieves him is this. He's sitting there as a lover, as a father, looking at you in your muck. And he's like, just, can you just come here? Because I'm going I'm to help you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to give you guidance. I'm going to give you counsel. I just want to love on you. And you're like, no. It's like, think about your, your kid. Like, your kid is doing something and you know it's a train wreck. And you're like, hey, I want to help you. And they're like, no. And they just turn away and they do what you want. And you're like, but I'm here. And they don't come to you. Like, it just tears you apart. Because you know that you could help them and figure everything out. But what's worse than then even that is that there's a relationship that is broken. And so the grieving of the Holy Spirit is, is not necessarily your sin. It's you being in your sin and continuing fleeing and walking away and saying, nah, I don't want to, you're not going to help me. Amen. That's what just grieves him. He's like, oh, but I love you so much. And I want to be with you so bad. And you don't want to be with me? Because you think sin could actually separate us? Come on. Come on, just come. And you're like, no. Now, why would anyone flee the Holy Spirit? Well, I want what my flesh wants, in a sense. Like, if you really want what the flesh wants, you're going to disobey the spirit of life. Or I think what is more common than that is you're like, no, I'm really not, I'm really not worthy of it. Like, I'm embarrassed to the Lord. I mean, like, I'm like, I can't go to the Lord. He, he, he's so mad at me. He's going to be so upset at me. Like you saying that is actually making him upset. You running back to him is like not grieving. You're... Like this is Adam and Eve. They don't just sin. They sit and hide. What's the hiding? No. And what does God say? Where are you, Adam? Do you never want, like the quintessential question of, 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 of the ages is not where are you, God, but rather where are you, Adam? You never have to ask where God is. He's right here waiting. Just come to me. The big question is, Adam, where did you go? Okay, you sinned, but why are you hiding from me? That's the grief. That's the grieving of the Holy Spirit. So when we do something wrong, we feel like we've done something wrong, and, and, and there's this separation, you can hide like Adam, which is going to grieve the Holy Spirit, or you can say, Holy Spirit, I really mucked this one up. I need your counsel. I need your guidance. I need your love. I need your relationship. Oh, let me be like David. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Like, it's all about your perspective. You can't be an Adam. You got to be a David. A tender heart. Knowing the revelation of, of who he is and how he deals with you. Amen? It, it, it unlocks like the puzzle of it all. So, okay, walking according to the Spirit, walking after the Holy Spirit, 
I'm like, I've never heard a message on that. How do you walk after the Holy Spirit or according to the Spirit? I've never really heard, like, how do you do that? So I'm like looking things up and I'm going to, uh, you know, different sites and commentaries and Desiring God by John Piper, which is like really good, really good. David Wilkerson, uh, like looking at all these different people and like, 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 like legitimate people. They're not like just podunk guys, like legitimate people. And they, they kept answering the question the same way. It's like, oh, to walk after the Holy Spirit, you need to pray. You need to fast, and you need to cast away any hindrances and sin. Like everyone is saying, fast, pray, worship, pray continuously, pray always, cast away the hindrances of sin so that, that you can return to the Holy Spirit and all this kind of stuff. I'm sitting here like, I don't know if my brain is just wacky or if the Lord was really like bringing me into a new place. I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. Pray, fast, cast away hindrances. I felt like the Lord was just saying to me this. To me, all of those things seem to be a result, not a means of walking according to the Spirit. You get what I'm saying? Like, just pray more, brother, fast more. Cast away all the sin, and then you'll be walking after the Spirit. I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right. It seems that, like, actually, if I was walking by the Spirit, then I would be A, B, C, right? Like, I'm having a hard time not sinning, or I'm having a hard time coming to you and praying to you, I don't understand how that's going to be the means to now walk after you. Walking is, 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 is got to be something different. It's a result of something. You get what I'm saying here? Amen. Like, if you get this, you're going to be released of such legalism. And, it, it, like, whoa, it, like fasting, prayer, you know, casting away sin, all of that is a result. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not something that you do so you can have the Holy Spirit. You can't want to, like, that is so liberating. Anyone who's ever struggled with sin, you should be like, oh, this is so good. Maybe it's just new to you, and people are just like, whoa. There has to be a better way. There has to be a better way. Pray more, brother. Do this more, brother. Blah, 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 blah. There has to be a better way. Yeah, it's all works. It's all works. There's got to be a better way. Come on. Now look, remember, walk according to the Spirit. Some translations say walk after the Spirit. So I'm, I'm praying. I'm getting into this. I'm going to the Lord. I'm going to the Holy Spirit. Like, you got to help me out here. And he, I felt like he was saying, look, it's, it's a walk. You're walking after the Spirit. It is not a work, David. It's a walk. It's not a work. It's a walk. I'm like... Okay, well, what, what, what do you mean here by a walk? And he said, all right, well, look, in walking, there is a destination. The destination is your point of reference. Walk according to the Spirit. Walking, it's not a work of things. It's, it's, it's an experience of living, of life. In walking, there's a destination, and the destination is your point of reference. And so this is what I'm asking you. In your spiritual life with the Lord... The Father, the Son, Holy Ghost. What is your reference point? What are you walking towards? Amen. Are you walking towards what Satan says about you? Or what the Spirit of God says about you? This is walking in the Spirit. I'm going to walk towards the perspective, towards the identity, towards the revelation of what God says about me. Not what Satan says about me. If I walk towards what God says about me, it's a completely different ballgame. I am dead to sin. My body has been crucified. I'm alive in Him. We're going to get into a little bit, but do you know that like, actually the scriptures say that you can be sinless, no longer sinning, no longer struggling with things? But Satan says, no, you're a man, you're going to sin. You're a woman, you're going to sin. That's what Satan says. 
But you got to walk in the revelation of the Word of God and what the Spirit of God says to you. It's not doing something. It's putting your eyes on the goal. The eyes is set on what he says about me, not what Satan says about me. And I, I'm hoping this is going to make a little bit more sense. It's all about language. It's all about language. Ephesians 4, 30-32. I was making mention earlier. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So this is the verse. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God and Christ forgave you. So right here in this context, he tells us what grieves the Holy Spirit. What, do, what grieves him? Bitterness? Anger? Lust, acts of the flesh, and most of it is actually language. Gossip, bitterness, anger. All of these things are elements of language. So notice, you having bitterness in your heart, you walking out and speaking bitterness and anger and envy and all of that is actually grieving Holy Spirit. You can do everything right, and you're a little gossiper, and you have all this bitterness from like your old husband or your old boyfriend or your kid who doesn't talk to you or your mother that doesn't talk to you. All of that is causing Holy Spirit pain. And we know that when the Holy Spirit feels pain, he withdraws from you. And then what, do you, what is the end result? You're upset. You're anxious. You're more bitter. If they just do this, then it would be okay. Right? You lost the power of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Because you held on to all that bitterness. You held on to all that control. Ephesians 4. Do not gossip. Do not envy. Do not anger. Do not have bitterness in your heart. Because the Holy Spirit is grieved. He is hurt by this. So language towards others. Because you want to control the feelings, don't you? Yeah, I'm gonna, I want to not like. I want to be angry because justice is mine. No, it's not. Justice is the Lord's. Vengeance is the Lord's. But I want it. That's not the Holy Spirit, bro. So he's going to be disquiet within you and your own bitterness is going to drive you nuts. You're going to become insane in some way, right? Just like Saul. So language towards others. Well, I was thinking about this. Is Okay, if that is how it works with the control, what about language not towards others but towards yourself? And I think this is really the linchpin to this whole thing, guys. I really do. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. What do you say about yourself? Which language do you use about yourself? That language is going to be a revelation of what you really believe inside of your heart. And what you really believe inside of your heart is what you really believe about God. Do you tear yourself down? Can we the worship team come on down, please? Walking in the flesh, fulfilling the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the carnal mind, is walking in the direction and believing what Satan says about you. And he says something about you that you're not good enough, that you're a sinner, that you're always going to be doing this, that you'll never get rid of your depression, you'll never get rid of your anxiety, you'll never get rid of your lust, you'll never get rid of this or this, 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 this. You believe what he's saying and now you're walking in it and you're walking towards it. It's your focus. But if I'm walking in the Spirit, I have to be looking at 
and listening to what the Spirit of God says about me. And if you're saying that you're, you're always going to be poor and you're always going to be a sinner and you're always going to have that, you are believing that the power of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to transform you has no work and is not powerful enough. That's what you're saying. That's the power of your language. It's more than just tearing down another person. It's tearing down the power of the blood of Jesus in your life. But walking in the Spirit is believing and walking towards what Jesus says about you. George Orwell, 1984. But if thought corrupts language, language can also corrupt thought. If you're using language that I'm, I'm a sinner, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm bald, I'm chubby, I'm this. The language is going to corrupt the thought of who you really are. I'm just a sinner. No, you're not. You're dead to sin. You are a new creation through Christ Jesus. Your old self has been crucified. And now you get to live in him in the resurrection. Ephesians chapter 2, he has set you into heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Romans 6, you are dead to sin. You are no longer underneath the power and authority of the law of sin and death. Which means, if Jesus has come and set you free, you are free indeed. Which means that you no longer live by the old man. Well, how do I not live by the old man? Well, you can try to work at it, but that's a work. Or you can believe what God says about you and set your eyes on that and walk towards that and believe that inside of your mind. Now you're walking in the Spirit. But Satan's going to come to you and say, but you're not good enough. That's what Satan says. Jesus says, I've poured out myself as a drink offering for you. I spent three days in the belly of the earth away from my Father to purchase you. You better believe I'm worth it. I'm not worthy of Christ's love. Yes, you are. Because why would he do it otherwise? I am worthy of his love. No, you're... Yes, I am. Because he loves me. It's not because of something I did. He just loves me so much that I am now worthy of my... If my daughter does something wrong towards me, I'm not like, you're no longer worthy of my love. You kidding me? I love you because you're mine. That's right. Amen. And I'm his. So I do have value and I do have worth. Amen. But Satan's going to say, you're just a sinner, wretched, poor, backslidden. No, you're not. You're redeemed, loved by him. He's there with arms wide open, waiting to receive you. What do you want to walk in? The one produces death. Walk according to the flesh. Walk according to what Satan says about you is death. It's going to kill you. It's going to make you rancid. But walk in what Jesus says about you, even if you don't completely see it. It doesn't matter if you see it. He sees you. It's all, you got to switch the language. You got to switch the language. Well, how do I do it? We know this. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We live in the Spirit. The Spirit has purchased us through the blood of Jesus. So now we have to walk in what He says about you. Once again, it's all about the identity thing. I'm telling you, there's such victory when, when you understand like, oh wait, God said that I am dead to sin. And if you believe that, because He said it, when sin comes your way, you're going to be like, Oh, but God said I'm dead to sin. I can just, I can walk right by that. Because this is what he said I'm able to do. It's not tearing down, it's lifting up. It's pointing you into the place of what you are in him already. Not what you could be, but what you are. Well, one day, one day I'll just get rid of this sin and be this and be that. God is saying, no, I already see you there. So walk in it now because that's how I see you and that's what you are. So we got to walk by what God says about us. And it's not a work, it's a belief of just, that's what he says. And I'm going to set my eyes on that, even though Satan keeps telling me other things. 
Walking is having that point of reference. What does he say I am? And what am I walking towards? It's an identity message. But I believe the piece of unlocking this is we have to get rid of the control. Like you want to say, well, I've done X and then therefore I'm going to give myself a value system of it. You controlling where you are with him. Now the scriptures say this, John chapter 16, verse 13, the Holy Spirit will guide you in all truth. The Holy Spirit will guide you in all truth, not some truth, but all truth. And what is the truth? That's what he says about you. So what we have to do is Colossians 3.16 says this. It says, let us, or let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I believe walking in the spirit is walking in the word. What does the word say about me? Because the enemy is going is to tell you everything else. The Word, the Word, the Word made flesh. He loves me. At the foundations of the earth, the Lamb of God was slain for me. I'm no longer an orphan. I've been adopted, and I can go to Him and cry out with the Spirit that says, Abba, Father. He's my Daddy. He said that I've purchased you by the blood and I've seated you in heavenly places, Ephesians 2. We gotta, we gotta begin to believe what he says about us is plausible and possible. And then we'll be able to walk in the Spirit. Romans chapter 6, we're gonna close with this. So good, so good. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? I got saved. Can I just keep sinning? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Messiah was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. The body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. Now just think about this. Like We have the craziness, the audacity to believe, which is true, that when we die, we're going to heaven. Like That's crazy. I mean, it's good and it's true, but it's totally crazy. Like when I die, to be absent in body is present with the Lord. We believe that. That is a crazy talk. But we believe it. We all believe it. But yet, you don't believe that he said, you're dead to sin. You can live a life dead to sin. No, 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 no. He just saves me. I'm going to have eternal life. I'm going to get a new body and a new spirit. I'm going to live forever in heaven. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. We're going to live for a thousand years in reign with him. And then he's going to come back and he's going to take the devil. And he's going to put him into the fiery abyss. He's going to cast him there. You believe all of that. Can you believe? He says he purchased you. And now, because of it, your flesh is crucified. You no longer are pulled in that direction because of what I've done for you. You're new. It's not a work. It's not something you do. It's something that you believe in your mind. And when you start to believe it in your mind, your language starts to articulate it. No, I'm not going to go to that lust anymore. No, I'm not going to go to that drink anymore. No, I'm no longer going to believe this about myself. Because that's what Satan says about me. But Jesus says this. And when you do that, you're walking in the Spirit of God. Amen? It's a thought. 
but I don't believe it. Well, if you don't believe that, that it's possible and that's not you, it goes full circle. You're controlling again. You're controlling what you think you can do and what you can't do. Don't try to think about what you can and cannot do. Release that control and say, he says that I can do this. So I'm going to believe that. Father, I just come before you and I just pray that this word fell on fertile soil. It's not a common message of how to walk in the spirit. And so we can say, fine, well, don't blaspheme, don't quench, don't, don't grieve. But Lord, I just really want people to walk in the understanding of how can they? They can by allowing the word of God to dwell inside of them richly. And so, Father, I pray that there will be a renewal of the mind right now. That as Satan in the world teaches us and tells us that this is who we are and this is what life is like, we can say, whoa, pause button. I'm being pulled in that direction. Let me set my eyes on what Jesus says about me. You're a new creation. You're dead to sin. You're no underneath the, the law of sin and death, but of life. And so if that's what you say about me, it must be true. Because either you're a liar, or I'm just not thinking right. Yes, Jesus. Why don't we uh, stand as Mario closes us out in prayer? Or close out in, in, in worship. And I just want to encourage you, if, as, as we always do. If, if you are having a difficult time walking in the Spirit. Not fulfilling the lusts of the flesh. But rather fulfilling the beauty of the Spirit. I want you to come down. I, I want us to pray for you. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be a prayer of like, we just pray that you don't sin anymore. We pray that you do this or stop doing this. I want to pray that your entire brain is just reworked and your perception of things is not through your control, but your perceptions of things of not what you see about yourself, but what he says about you. I'm not going to pray for the nicotine to go away. I'm not going to pray for the drugs or the alcohol to go away or the lust to go away or the envy or the jealousy or the greed. Or, I'm not praying for that to go away. I'm going to pray not for that. I'm going to pray that your mind would be renewed and you'd see yourself as Christ sees you. Amen. Then you're not going to do it anymore because your identity has been changed. Amen? Amen? Have a wonderful week. We do have cafe downstairs. Feel free to go as you like, but please also feel free to step into worship and come down and get your mind free in Him. Amen.